and we're live. Hi guys, welcome to the episode of the Nearest Sports Fan Podcast. I'm your host David, and that was a um, was a very good weekend. I mean, any weekend where sports win and Chelsea get it, get it beat down, it's always a good weekend. <laughs> I mean, then um, and also, I think the the FA Cup. It's um, obviously the FA Cup is is, is a cup is a trophy that. You know, a lot of football fans, you know, always try to kick to the curb, but you know, it's one where if their team wins it, you know, they are they are happy about it. But but that's so today we're gonna you know go around and go over as many games as possible. And um, off the top of my head, of course, I'm gonna be focusing a lot more on Spurs, and um, I'm gonna be enjoying um, the Chelsea's, or rather, be reminiscing the beat down of Chelsea. <laughs> The beat down of Chelsea. Uh, my name was Everton. Manchester United beating Everton 3-1. Um, Liverpool drawing against Wolves. There was quite a bit of controversy towards the end. Um, it was an offside, something along the lines. And you know, the, the anyways, I'll talk about that um, in today's episode. And um, yeah, then there's a bit of a rumor with Spurs. Um, Qatari investments potentially um, coming into the club. So um, I'm gonna talk about that. I'm gonna see the reactions. I'm talk about the reactions in fans. I'm gonna just give my opinion on that basically. So without further ado, let's end this episode. We start our weekend um, with Spurs versus um, Portsmouth. Now um, there was a bit of a, there was a bit of an interesting stat that was um, echoed by a commentator during the game. It was quite interesting and he said that um oh listen um in this fixture i think out of the oh, i can't remember exactly but what i know is out of the four four times this in this fixture i think one of the winners whenever these two teams have met across all the times um among all the times that this, this fixture has been held in this this in the, in the fa cup one one of the two ends up being three or three out of four times you know one of them go on to be the winners so off the top of my head i can remember fa cup um the year portsmouth won the fa cup they beat sports 2-0 at wembley portsmouth eventually won the fa cup final um 1960 something sports won the fa cup they beat portsmouth along the way and the second time also they won it in the 70s they, they won the fa cup so that's three out of the four times you know in this fixture um the, the winner of this fixture has turned, gone on to win the win the um to win the cup if i if i actually say exactly the way the commentator said it was something along those lines um now the lineup was quite interesting um i think Bissouma was supposed to start and then it ended up being um, oliver skip because Bissouma had a bit of an injury you know while um had a bit of an injury and then he, he has to pull out obviously he'll be back in time for arsenal hopefully um, and Pavi Matasa, sorry, Oliver Skip came in for him. So it was supposed to be him and Pavi Matasa in midfield, and then Oliver Skip was able to come in. And this is the thing, right? Oliver Skip kinds of splits opinions amongst fans. And to be fair, I don't, I understand why, you know, he splits opinions. Think about it. You know, a lot of football fans or a lot of sports fans, they're like saying, is this, is this another Olive? Is this another um, Harry Winks? Is this another? Oli- is this another? Ryan Mason, that kind of thing, right? It's that kind of player who comes through the academy. You know, he's okay, but you know, doesn't set the word like doesn't really. If you look at his peers, doesn't really fill you a lot with confidence that much that oh, this guy can really stand toe to toe with his um, peers, people around his age group, and all that. A year older or two older. Basically, you get my point. You know, when you think of Oliver Skip, you don't really. And, and every time they always refer to his Norwich loan. I mean, listen, maybe I'm giving up on the guy too too early. 
but this is my take right i think when you get to a certain age as a footballer um there's certain things that are expected of you that we expect to see from you and if you're not showing that at that age at that point you know the chances of you becoming you know that top level talent that people expect to be it's lower for example if Oliver Skip was 18 and he was like this, right? So maybe 18 or let's say 20 or 19, right? When he, let's say he was 19, 18, just returned from Norwich City. Um, it's Norwich loan where he, obviously he was really good. Instrumental to them winning, getting promotion and winning the championship. That's um, second division. And then getting promoted. You know, that was Oliver Skip. Now, if he was 19 and then let's say he's currently 21 with all of those behind him. 2021 even 20 no not 21 20 or 19 i would say okay fine let's give him time but he's 22 he's gonna be 23 this year so you know the older you get the chances of you reaching that that level people really expect or people want you to get to gets lower and yes so he's on he's unlucky well the, the sad thing is that you know the game is quite unfair you know the injuries have slowed him down i agree with that 100 i really agree you know the injury um the injury that he had i think like last year he was even in Nuno season he was playing well i have to be agree right he was playing well playing okay and then picked up an injury got ruled out for actually when Conte, even when Conte joined Conte rated him highly more rated him highly right then picked up an injury ruled out for the season season no precision starts starts playing again picks up an injury he picks up an injury again you know and then basically Basically, the first half of the season gone, right? So now he's back in the second half of the season. So it's the injuries. Now we're not going to say he's injury prone or all, but maybe he was quite unlucky with those last two injuries. And also, our legendary medical department sort of, you know, <laughs> worked their magic. <laughs> you know, but <clears throat> that being said, I'm not really. I think I'm at that point where I'm like, okay, you know, if we can get better, let's just go get better and just cut the loss because it's going to be like this, right? When the stock is still high, you can sell. You know, when everybody doesn't, everybody cannot decipher that this player's stock is because at this point it's kind of uncertain. You can still fetch 20 to 25 million pounds for Oliver Skip at the moment. Why you still can? In my opinion, I would take it. I mean, if if there's an offer from maybe a team like Crystal Palace, for example, right, and they want, you know, they want to take him, I would consider it. I won't lie. I mean, it's going to be hard for me not to, especially when. If you can get better, don't get it twisted. If you can get better, it's not like you just sell and then just get somebody worse. No, if you can get better, and then why not? And I'm sure there's better out there. I mean, there was this heated, I don't know if I'll call it heated, but you know, on Twitter, between me and someone over, you know, someone also, I think someone said, you know, he wants Amrabat, you know, if it means Oliver Skip moving on. And then somebody said, no, I don't want Amrabat, no, not, not Amrabat. Anyways. I sort of agree with that. You know, if you can get if Amrabat is available and you know somebody like Oliver Skip has to move on, you know, I would like, yeah. Because even Papi Matasa played in that same game, he was much better. Obviously there were two misplaced passes, but he didn't really let it face him. He kept playing. Oliver Skip would have went the, almost got the red card though. But this is not a an Oliver Skip run down episode. I'm just giving my thoughts on the whole thing. Papi Matasa, so he played well, um played well obviously the cameo against Crystal Palace was good. And um, this game he was quite good also. But I think somebody, some people had to. This one that's very important. I think I also agree with this, right? We have to be very careful about hyping, hyping up the talent. And, and this is the thing. Maybe it's a lot has a lot more to do with sports policy than that. You know, most of the fans are basically starving. We need talent. We need talent. So any new young talent that just shows a sign of potential or something, you know, 
everybody goes haywire, everybody goes wild, right? Off the back of two performances. But don't forget, he has to make mistakes. Mistakes will come. And this is the thing. I watched um, Man City yesterday and they love their young talent, Palmer, um, Lewis. I mean, they played that game, right? If you watch how they manage those talents, they, they see game time and then they get withdrawn, go back to work, they see game time. I'll give you an example. Phil Foden is a perfect example, right? Even in 2017, 2018, 2019, you see those years, the talk around the media was, oh, Phil Foden should leave Man City. He needs playing time. Now, if he had listened to the media and left, fine, he would go and play elsewhere. But the problem is, you know, he may have eventually gotten his growth stunted or something. But the way Guardiola managed him, right? Played him gradually, took him off. Played him gradually, took him off. Even though when fans were, even when fans were saying, "Play him, he's ready," you know, playing the young talent we need. And this narrative about Guardiola not playing young players, even when it was floating around, he didn't really care. Even though that's that's something that I would, I would think I would think I have to start debunking as I keep talking. I would debunk that when I talk about Man City game. When when that whole narrative was floating, right? Everybody was like, he still ignored and still went did his thing. And Foden is playing well, so that's exactly what you're seeing now with Spurs. You throw them into the deep water and tell them to swim. The problem is for the place you want to get to. Now, your team like Palace, Southampton, right? If that's what you want, that's fine. Because those teams, you can make mistakes and that's where you can. But for these teams where you, if you want to get to that level and you take a stand, this is where the team I want to be, players like that should not really be um, first choice. Except, except it's somebody like. Except you are like an Mbappe, who's an exceptional talent, who at 18 already looked completely ready. There are players that are like that, they're freak of nature, right? But <laughs> most players are not ready at that age, and that's just the, 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 the fact of the matter. Right, so, Papa Matasa, obviously, I think uh, someone like that really needs a lot of um, help, a lot of guidance. Obviously, there may be him, if, but I, I actually want to appreciate the fact that that's why him playing with Oliver Skip, who maybe he's supposed to have a lot more guidance with playing some, with somebody like that. I think I was. I, I think it's really cool that he was still able to do his thing and be very confident. So I think someone like playing him with someone like Benton Core, who's whew, well experienced, you know, I think that would be a very very good partnership. Or someone like even someone like Hoybier, you know, people like that who are really experienced in the game and all. That perfect partners for him. But you know, we'll see how it goes though. But again, I I will say this. I think he needs that kind of one leg in, one leg out. Not really throw him into the game and swim. Obviously. He was looking like a Yaturi, I won't lie, I said him, but even though he's, he has a lanky frame, he's quite strong on the ball. Obviously, being strong on the ball has a lot, being able to barge into a player shoulder to shoulder doesn't really have a lot, obviously, it has a lot more to do with timing and when you do it. Because if somebody is off balance and you barge into the person shoulder to shoulder, he will fall. But if the person is not in balance, you know, and when you're with the ball, you don't really have as much balance as when somebody isn't with the ball, if, if that makes sense. Because you're true. Anyways, you get my point. So yeah, so let's talk about the goal. Um, first half was dull as usual. I mean, sports are like first half, second half FC, and just prove my point. I mean, the only reason I watched that first half was because I was trying to look out for Brian Hill and Sa. I want to see how they played, and um, they both of them played well. I mean, he, but, but Brian Hill, the issue I have with him is I don't feel threatened when I see him play, and that's the thing. You know, even if you're 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 a person who watches your team. You have to feel some level of threat watching this player. You have to feel like, okay, I'm afraid. You feel like he's going to score. If you watch Kulusevsky, if I watch Kulusevsky, I'm like, I just feel like he's going to assist or score. That feeling, I don't feel that with Brian Kill. And this is probably why I don't really think, you know, this is why I have the same sentiment that I have about San, the same thing, right? Because with Hill, because 
yes you know you could have the occasional performance like a crystal performance where you could assist but in this game in this game it just felt like it just wasn't you know and that's the thing here you know it's gonna be inconsistent and again it's not his fault he's a young player again i would say except your Mbappe, who is gonna be ready on the other thing also um this guy is like 21 or 20 21 or 22 so I don't know if we're gonna keep using that excuse, but I, I, I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be seeing, I am supposed to at least be seeing some form of progress by now, you know. But listen, I'm not gonna be saying he should, he should be sold or anything. I think he's still like 20 or 21. I don't know, but let's see, let's see how it goes. I, I think as time goes on, I think he should not be someone you should rely on. Let's put it that way. I think he's someone that should be, should be allowed to grow and play at his own pace and then develop and then become this guy he wants to become. And that, that's just my take on it. Now the Kane's goal was from the, the fact that we need Kane to bail us out. Now, you, listen, you know as much as I'm, I'm, I'm literally Inik out. Everybody knows that I'm very upset at at Inik and the ownership and how they run things. But you can't argue that sports have been a bit unlucky. I mean, Kulusevski and Richarlison out. I mean, they would have played this game. Kulusevski and Richarlison would have probably played this game, and Kane would have gotten a rest. Because Kane, Richarlison was brought in, so Kane will probably have rest in this kind of game. But the fact that he's playing these games doesn't really have a lot more to do with Kane, with Spurs not having that option. It's just that Richarlison, who was supposed to play this game, is unfortunately out injured, and that is where you know, the problem comes in. You know, when you have that, the, it's, it's just, I think it's had a lot more to do with Spurs not being very lucky, right? And that's just even me. And then Benton Core being missing. I think this system. Has a, if Benton Core isn't playing, it's, the difference is just like night and day, especially in midfield. It's just night and day if, if Benton Core isn't playing. <laughs> but good go from Hurricane. I think the one new win. I think it was important. It's just important to win. For me, knockout games. What's more important is winning, right? Just win it and just get out because it's it's one it's one. You score, you win, you get you kick the team out. Because in my opinion, I mean playing style, playing style. Yes, it's good to win convincingly, and the reason, but the reason you win convincingly is more. It has a lot more to do with you know you being filled with confidence that your team can go the next game and win. But this is my reason why I'm not surprised with that performance. Um, the defense. I mean, it was this it's Tanganga and Sanchez, right? As long as those, I mean, those are players I really want to be sold. Eh? With Ben Davis also, I want Ben Davis. And then Cesc and Royale, when you saw those two wing backs, I mean, you're like, well, it's not surprising that it's, 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 it was torture to watch that entire game because you know the two wing backs, they just weren't doing anything. I mean, Royale is awful, we know, and it's bad, we get it. But Cesc just, Cesc and Yonis is awful. And the reason why I would even say Cesc and is even worse because he's somebody who we know can attack he had a good goal scoring record with Fulham and you know he looked quite good last season but you know maybe his level just raised up a bit but he's still not very good we get it but you know he was just so bad and I think it's just that point where he just says okay fine you just shake hands bye it's been a long we've tried just hasn't worked out this is the door but this is the problem again with sports not selling at the right time back to my point is, is he going to get to that point where we'll leave skip before we okay, okay. let's let this is not only a skip um, rundown <laughs> session but yeah it's a good win very important to win and i'm very happy that one you know it's good my end versus um everton uh, my ended winning 3-1 I, I i think this one but i want to say something right very very funny not like it's funny but sometimes this is very funny a lot of football fans are going about saying um um this guy what's his name um Sa- no demary gray I'm seeing a lot of hype around Demarigui because they didn't honestly play against Everton. Demarigui was quite a thorn in their flesh, 
today again the day recently also the Marigui playing well again he had an assist there was an assist that he had it was ruled out though and the way he played that he played really well against my people are like oh the Marigui is a good player i was like wait a minute i'm sorry wait wait here i mean yes he has played well for everton but it's not man city levels <laughs> come on <laughs> But this, I mean, I've watched enough to know that he's not, you know, it's, and then again, it's it's when when a player plays against your team, more often than not, it's when that's the first time of sign of spotlight. Most of you don't really watch Everton versus Southampton, for example, or Everton versus Crystal Palace, because, you know, there's no incentive to watch it. But if you ask most Everton fans, they're, they're probably going to say, well, really? They'll bite your hands off and say, you know, that's the thing, because if a player plays against you, that's your only chance to watch the player, and then you probably conclude that, oh, this player is good, because whenever he plays against you, or when you've seen him play against your team, he's looked good. But this how most fans just judge. But I don't know, man. The Marigui is good, but you know, it's not the way most of you are saying. I probably I've seen something different, but it's just probably not the way you guys have been seeing. At least I've seen enough to know. I've watched everything. If games of games that Everton have played that are not against any of the big six that have a huge fan base, you know, at least I know enough to know that. Yeah, you know. It's, it's it's what it is <laughs> yeah but so yeah rashford scoring a penalty um mine is just winning through i think it was just a routine three one in probably could have been maybe if i think that offside goal being ruled out was a bit of everything being unlucky if it was two to maybe would have, because the three one doesn't really show um the score line doesn't really show show like the golf in class between the two teams you know if, if that makes sense because everything didn't really play poorly 3-1 looks like yeah it looks like well you got a consolation it looks like that on paper but it just wasn't the case <laughs> but yeah and then um, the other game here between uh, man city and chelsea yesterday and this is my f- highlight of the weekend chelsea fans i am not sorry for making fun of you guys <laughs> listen i would say this right man um with chelsea like i've always said and i'll say it again in my last episode with Chelsea, they're in a situation where Graham Potter, their ownership, um, Bully, with Potter, the ownership taught Bully, is looking at Chelsea and saying, wait a minute. Sorry, he's looking at Chelsea and saying, listen, we want, um, I want a manager who's going to come in, play this progressive style. We're going to win, we're going to back him, we're going to spend money, and he's going to do his thing. That can work. The, the thing is, um, Chelsea, the thing is that it worked for Arsenal. Right? If you look at Teta, it had time, and Arsenal kept spending money every window because they believed in this project. Chelsea fans, you can you see those years of banter Arsenal suffered, right? That's like three years, three solid years of banter. I mean, there was the first year when they won the FA Cup, right? And community, but that kind of that sort of toned down the banter a bit, right? That was enough for them to counter it, right? For them to at least say, this is a sign that um, Arteta maybe he's onto something some fans who probably still believe in that at the time since this is this should be onto something now when you look at chelsea they're out of the carabao cup they're out of the fa cup already right because of that result yesterday because of these things so it's champions league left right which they're likely going to get knocked out the way things are going i mean if you look at the way it's going right if you look at all of this if it the only way to sort of lessen him, take a bit of heat off his back from the fans, I'm not talking about the ownership from the fans, is probably to do that. Man, the chances of his best, his best chances of silverware, which is those two competitions, he has been kicked out of both of them. So that makes things difficult. And then the league, they are currently 10th. This was a position where they sacked Mourinho in 2016. So you can, I can understand the anger a lot of fans feel. 
But Paul is probably gonna dig his heels in and say, "Listen, you know, I brought this manager in. This is what I want. What I want. What I want. What I want. What I want and I'm going to stick with it." And that's the thing. And a lot of Chelsea fans, for the majority of their lifetime, they have been used to success with Chelsea. They've been used to success. They've been spoiled with it. This is probably gonna be the first. This is gonna be on chartered territories. These territories that a lot of Arsenal fans and sports fans know too well. And they're probably very used to because you know <laughs> they've been on the receiving end of it from Chelsea fans who probably bantered them about it. So Chelsea fans are going to step in on chartered territories. Yes, they've been there for some years, but you know, at least they won the Champions League, right? So, you know, but this time it's gonna be a lot different. A lot of you don't like Potter. I personally this is my opinion though. I mean it may change. Bowling may say, okay, you're gone. But Bowley probably looks like look at everything and say, listen, we're ready to spend as much money as we can. And the more Arsenal do well in the league, the more they play well, the more they look good, and everybody's attracted. That is the, the more Bowley is gonna believe in this project with Potter. Just just let that sink in, okay? Just just put that at the back of your mind. So if I'm a, if I'm a Chelsea fan, I'm thinking to myself, well, it is more likely for Bowley to stay than sorry, for Potter to stay than leave. Except something magical happens. But you know, Potter could have a good result, and then he probably just and it's just the thing for me. Bolly probably thinking, well, listen, it's because you know a lot of the old guys are still here. Because even when I was watching the game yesterday, I mean, it felt like the old the old guards were you know not listening, and it's normal. You know, when you have managers with that kind of who wants come with that kind of style of play, they want players who listen to them. They do not want players who are already old, who are already at a certain age, and then they play a certain way. That's the exact reason why they tend to sign players who are under 25 they do not sign players when they are 30s they do not sign players who are over 25 26 is too old for a player to most likely sign if you check you dip it just just let's check it guardiola when he first signed for man city right the first season where he had their old guard bakari sanya um demichelis i mean all these guys johad and all these other players right what did he do sammy nasri that was the first i think he finished third told them be gone, shipped all of them out and brought in brought in young stars. Sterling was already there, Sterling was still young, right? Then there was um Leroy Leroy Zane, was Leroy Zane. There was um obviously brought in Gabriel Jesus, but it was more of a second choice to um Aguero. Aguero had to change his game. Now this that's a rarity, right? So players he had to change his game to adapt so he would be able to keep his place with Man City. So you can get my point. Obviously, company still stayed, right? Because these players were able to still stay and adapt. Ederson, I think he was in his 20s at the time. Was it 24? Because it was 2016, 24, 25, whatever. But you get my point. These are the ages they usually go for. Um, the age of players usually go for. With um, Ateta, they had who? Lacazette, Aubameyang, um, um, Kolasinac, right? And um, all these guys, you know, all these old guards. And then what they do, they sold all of them. If you look at the ages of Arsenal players currently, I think Martinelli is like under 20, he's under 25. Basically, they're all under 25. Most of them are under 25, right? Maybe aside party and all that, right? Aside maybe party. Aside party. That's, it's probably the oldest in that entire level, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly. The point I'm making is this, right? Players like, managers like that who want to play that style. Or even at Brighton, Graham Potter, right? Alexis McAllister, um, Trossard, Bissouma, he's Bissouma. Um, um, oh, Jesus Christ, I can't remember. But even when he first joined, a lot of the big, the, the old guards at Brighton, he had to sell them. I mean, Sholetto, Sholetto obviously, Sholetto was more of a bench than a starter. A lot of the guys that were in Chris Hutton's starting, 
team with Brighton. Even um, what's his name? This striker. Oh, I keep forgetting his name. Um, oh, I don't want to forget his name. He's a Palace legend. He had to sell, right? So they sell all these guys. If you look at Brighton's policy, young players, right? That's the style of play. These players are more likely to listen because at this level, they, they, this is this manager is like their be all and all. This is the best to them, so they will do whatever they can to listen to play style. At Chelsea, a lot of the guys that were already at Chelsea, he met them there. He met them there. He didn't really. They're not. You know, players he signed. And even if what I've observed recently, the, the profile of players Chelsea are currently signing, the age. I'm looking at Badia Shile. Um, I think he's under 25 also. Um, Detro Fofana. They are recent signing under 25. Andre Santos. They are recent signing under 25. So you can understand. That's why I think Potter is going to be here for a long time. It's longer than most Chelsea fans think. Because I, I don't really believe. <coughs> excuse me. I don't really believe that it's um, the way most people. I don't think it's going to be. Oh, Potter out. Well, you might want Potter out, but you know the way the club is moving, it looks like they're actually going to back him. So you know, deal with it. And uh, anyway, back. This is my commentary on that. Though. Um, back. This is my commentary on that. Now, back to the game. I was quite impressed with the way Man City played. And again, I want to talk, like I said, I said I want to debunk the narrative. People say Guardiola doesn't play young players, right? It doesn't give youth a chance and all that. Da, 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 da. And I think that's wrong. I think it's wrong. This is one thing I've always believed. Or rather, I started to believe when I became a lot more aware. When I was younger, I, I sort of believed that oh, managers don't play young players because they want to win. No, managers play players who are good and who are ready. If you want to develop, if you want to develop, there are clubs for you. Probably need loan spare. Probably need to play at a certain level where your mistakes will be tolerated. Players at that level, managers at that level want to win. Now, if a young player happens to be in a situation where he can contribute, even though he makes mistakes, there are seniors there who can mop up after him. That's why if you observe when he was playing for Foden, the conditions have to be very hard to be good before he would put Foden on to play, so that whenever he makes mistakes. They can mop it up and say, okay, they were maybe they were leading. They were winning. That's like most managers do this. If your team is winning 3 0, 2 0, you start training on young players. Not all of them do, so you don't disrupt the flow. You probably throw one on because everything is perfect for them to play. It's like you're swimming with life jackets. Like teaching the baby how to swim. That's just the way they do it. Guardiola, now if you're under 18 and you're just, if you're 18, under 21, you're 18, 19, and you're ready, you think it's not going to play you. Do you genuinely believe they're not going to play? Just and also another thing to go football fans, just because you think a player is ready doesn't mean the manager thinks he's ready. This is why I don't really be, agree with this narrative a lot of football fans hold on to when they say this manager is the reason why this player didn't make it. No, it had a lot more to do with the player. Oh, um, if Mourinho was still at um, Chelsea, Mourinho, Mourinho was the reason why De Bruyne and Lukaku. And the funny thing is, they were angry. They always use Lukaku and De Bruyne to beat Mourinho over the head with, right? And Salah. It was Lukaku until when Lukaku returned to Chelsea and he flopped. Then they stopped using Lukaku and they became Salah and De Bruyne. And now my question was always this, right? Chelsea were always winning trophies, right? Despite those guys not being there. So what was what was the difference? I mean, if those guys played, you're still gonna win those trophies. They didn't. So what exactly was the difference? And also, these players you're saying at the time they weren't ready, so they had to leave to go build themselves. De Bruyne went to Wolfsburg, played there, built himself up, and played really well. Put himself in the eleven, put himself in a shop window, and played well. Salah went to Fiorentina, went to Roma before he came back to Liverpool. So if you if they stayed at Chelsea until let Chelsea give them a chance to grow, well, if they were not going to do that. Precious probably would be winning trophies that they went to win. This is the same thing with Guardiola also. 
if you look at players like Palmer and Lewis, two talents that have really seen quite talented youngsters, and the players Man City have even let go. I mean, Latvia, for a certain team, there was this guy Chudozie, I don't know also that they've let go. I've seen guys, these guys are actually talented. I think there's another one I'm trying to remember, I've forgotten also. Even Bazunu from also Bazunu was sold to certain team. But the point I'm making is this, right? These are players that weren't ready, had to go out to go do their thing. Palmer and Lewis, they are players who obviously are good. From what I've seen, they are quite good. Obviously, um, there's a bit of their rough edges, like I saw yesterday. But Palm Lewis looks like the one that is more likely ready. He played in this hybrid right back role where he would talk into midfield, similar to the one I think, similar to the one that the Manchester United like that style. What he should do with Zinchenko is really similar to what Ateta does with Zinchenko, and you know, basically. But yeah, that's my point. My point is, you know. If you're ready, they play you, and even if you're even if you if you're not ready yet, they they they, they ease you into the team till you're ready. Similar to what they did with Phil Foden. So I've, I've never really agree with that narrative that he doesn't play young players. I mean, Sane 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 was 21, I mean 19 when he signed him. So 19 or 20 when he signed him. So you know, what are we are we still? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. What kind of young players is does if you're talking about academy players? Not and also that people always forget is. Look at the stats of players who make it through academies. It's like 0.01% or so. I are the ones who eventually make it to the first team. So, statistically, Guardiola is favored here. So, I don't understand why he, everybody says he doesn't play young players. If he doesn't even. Anyways, that's, that's on that could be for another day. But I've made, I think I've made enough points to know. Then, yesterday, I think obviously Mans were very good. I mean, Chelsea were chasing shadows. I mean, Chelsea's defense. I, I think Kometo highlighted this also with Man City, right? Man City played youngsters, right? They played Palmer and this guy. But they were they were Rodri was playing. A lot of their big, you know, proper experienced seniors were also playing that game. Rodri, Bernardo Silva, Marius came on at I think Marius started the game because he scored the free kick. Marius started. You know, these are players that are well experienced in the field to guide the young players. They had the responsibility to guide the young players and mop up their mistakes. So players like Palmer and this guy, um, Palmer and um, Palmer especially was one who started first. Someone like Palmer wasn't really having much of an issue because, and then sorry, Gomez, yeah, Gomez was a left back. They weren't having much issues because they, they, were, they were a lot of first team players to hold their hands and guide them through, right? And, and with Chelsea yesterday, Chelsea had that where one of the players are young stars though. Yeah, Koulibaly played, but you know, Koulibaly is probably having a very bad time currently at Chelsea. I mean, it's been, it's been flopping real bad. <laughs> I gave, he gave away a pen, penalty, which was very funny. People will say it's soft, but it's a pen. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it was enjoyable to watch Chelsea get demolished for you yesterday. It was really enjoyable. It was a different level of um, excitement. Splendid watch, you know. <laughs> yeah, so Chelsea get knocked out, and that's cool. Um, overall, my commentary on this is, you know, obviously, Man, whoever, the Man City have won. The, now, the winner of that game, which is Man City, is going to be facing the winner of Arsenal versus Oxford today. Today, Monday. Um, this is the thing. Obviously, whoever wins, that that means you know this means that the chances of the, all the tougher teams are knocking themselves out, right? So Liverpool and Man United are the other ones. So Liverpool against um, Watford, two-two draw. Um, I want to give a shout out to that Nunez goal. It's very funny that Darwin Nunez is missing the easier chances, and then he's scoring that one. The one he scored against the Wolves was a much difficult one. It was more difficult than that, and. You know, I don't understand why he, how he was able to, and it was really, really well. I like this kind of finish. It was well composed, stay calm, just passed it into the, 
to the net to equalize to make it to equalize for them. It was a good pass from Trent and Zanarano also. Right. So again, I, I wonder to myself, you know, why do players why play like this? They will have all the easy chances and then score the, the one that is very difficult that you probably expect a certain level of technical um, ability and football awareness to be a football brain to be able to put away. It's, it's one of those things that I still I do find find quite amusing you know I, I really find it quite amusing but you know that that being said i think it was um it was a good goal then one one it was one one at the time Liverpool made it two i think Liverpool made two one then wolves equalized to make it two two then um wolves had the chance to score it was a last minute goal that was really for offside as it obviously is a debate but i'm wondering to myself why is that um i thought it was i thought it wasn't offside at first i look at the side it was a person who was crossing the ball that was real side, but then what made me um, have doubts? The person who received the ball from the corner was the one who was there. But I, was, I started having doubt when they said, "I don't know, there's no VAR check. There's a doubt, right? Because you know they had to go with the linesman." But they said there was no, according to what I read, right? Um, the cameras were not really positioned in, there for them to be able to. I'm like, wow, that's ridiculous. But so there's a replay at it's going to be at the Molineux. Um, so a lot of the difficult teams and soccer players again knock. I mean Newcastle got knocked out by Steven Age. Um, so as something like got knocked out by Steven Age and Newcastle, uh, I can't remember who knocked them out, but I know it was one of those League One or League Two teams, which you know is quite funny because now you're gonna be in a situation where Newcastle always getting knocked out of cups every time to focus on the League One and Mike Ashley, right? Obviously, eventually they might obviously break this because in the League Cup, I think they have really gone far currently in the League Cup. So we'll see how they they um per- perform in, in in that but yeah that's my, my take but i like the fact that you know Manchester knocked out chelsea because chelsea are, chelsea are sports bogey team if I, I i find it hard to it's one of those things i just cannot i find it hard to admit that chelsea are just that bogey team for sports where sports could do what they can but when they meet chelsea it's like everything doesn't seem to work obviously i'm not superstitious i don't i don't really like going through i think it has a lot more to do with sports not being prepared not being properly when you have the same um Choco brothers playing for you i mean let's be real <laughs> some things are inevitable so it has a lot i think it has less to do with you know um chelsea being better and just more to do with that but again we can also let's just let's be real there are times where you could have bogey teams and it happens like that back to the game so I, I really I really think I'm happy that he got knocked out. And obviously I would hope Manchester also knock out Arsenal. I mean with the play. I mean I, it's, it's obvious. I don't like Arsenal, I don't like Chelsea, so I mean it's it's a pretty easy answer in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. So um I think that's as much as I can say about the games as soon as it came to my head. But um for all it's been quite a very good effort. I think it's the first time Chelsea got knocked out in twenty five years. I think the last time they got knocked out was against Manchester United in the FA Cup. Um lost five three. They lost them um, 5-3 to Manchester United. That was the first third round exit they've had. So this is the first round exit they had in 25 years. That was the last time they had a third round exit. Overall, um, good game for Man City. I loved it. Thank you. <laughs> and Chelsea. Well, um, yeah, thanks. So um lastly, for when this whole thing. No, not the episode before I talk about talk about football. The whole football matches. I want to talk about um um Serie A, right? Quickly. Obviously, I didn't watch the games, but I just want to give my own and the overall commentary on that. Juventus are currently second. I mean, 
behind Napoli. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm not watching Syria religiously. I'm watching it like with one eye, one way. I'm like, oh, there's a game going on there. Okay, fine, let's check out Syria. That's why I watch Syria. I'm not really like consistently. Probably have to try to watch it consistently now. But it's interesting that Juventus are currently second. I think they're like four points. Again, more though, but four points behind Napoli. And listen, it's. I want Napoli to win Syria, right? Obviously, because of Osime. Especially because of Osime. That's where I want I want them to win. I want him to, them to win the, the Syria. You know, and I want him to be top scorer. Obviously, I think they won yesterday evening. I think two, they won 2 0 yesterday. Yeah, they eventually won the game 2 0. So, obviously, their lead is still back. I think they're like 7 points clear. And I hope it maintains. Because, um, I mean, earlier in the season, Allegri was like, you know, everybody was making fun of Allegri and them and Juventus. But Juventus currently. I'm not looking bad, you know. It's, you've turned around already. It's interesting, but we'll see. I mean, uh, so Juventus. Hopefully, they have some um, rejects for us to go check out. I mean, who are they rejecting this time? Let's go check them. I just, hopefully, we we'll get like a Ben Sanko and Kulusevski kind of signing from Juventus this time. <laughs> yeah, and then um, so I want to talk about the Qatari investment thing. And this will, this will just be all in the same um, point. I'm talking about the window so far. Again, why have Spurs not made any signings? It's, it's very interesting. It's, it's annoying that they, there's no, we're not seeing any links. We're not seeing anything. It's only, only monitoring. They're monitoring this player. I thought that they're monitoring like, Leandro Trossard, which is interesting. I mean, <laughs> interesting. Let's just leave it that way. Interesting. They're, they're monitoring Leandro Trossard. Um, they're monitoring um, Evan Indica, and also the replacements for Loris is, is going to be Deviraya. Um, Brentford's goalkeeper. I mean, I like David Raya. I like that goalkeeper. I, I think I think he's homegrown. Um, he's good with the ball at his feet. I think he has one year left on his contract. I think that's a good signing, in my opinion, for sports to really try and get. Listen, for me, my my choice for goalkeeper, right? I mean, there was Pickford, obviously being touted as you know an option for sports to to sign. But if you look, if I if I look at everything, I'm like, I don't think David Raya is a bad signing. You know, if, if you look at the way Brentford has played and it, the ball to his feet is really good with it because that is also very important with the way sports want to play. Especially when you need, um, you've got wingers who, who are playing inside and you need that that advantage sometimes for a player who can pick a pass, for a goalkeeper who can pick a pass. If you look at most of the top teams, obviously they play with that kind of, and this is not because of copying the top teams. I think I think a lot more to do with. And if you have that kind of goalkeeper, you have an, a numerical advantage on the pitch because that's one more player who can pick a pass. So while everybody has you know gotten their positions in check, you've got the goalkeeper who can just pick a pass again. But I think it's important. The Virayas, I think that would be a very good signing. Any of the Viraya, I like um, this cost, Diogo Costa at Porto. Um, I think these are the two that really stand out the most. I mean, Pickford isn't bad, but it probably will cost more. And you know, he's good with the ball at his feet, but. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody's called him dinosaur hands. The way it's short, his hands are so short. That's going to be a disadvantage sometimes. And but he's quite good. Let's be real with ourselves. But I think there's going to be a bit of element of that. People just remind, say, listen, you know, he's good, yes, but you know, there's that biological disadvantage. The virus is not a bad signing. Um, but we need signings in January, and I think a lot more. I think I would hope, hope sports really pour a lot of intra- direction towards the. The defense, especially the centre backs, centre backs and wing backs. I, I think that would hope they really, really put in enough. If Sessegnon and Royale can be replaced in January, I would like it. I think a good January is very important. So really have a good second half of the season because the fact that the problem with sports is they have options to bring on those guys. Because if there's too many bad players, too many bozos, you know, there's a chance that you could have one of them playing, and that's where. 
bit of a problem sometimes and, you know but that's that's my that's in, that's enough of that and the qatari sports investment listen i'm not getting my hopes up on that i think you know yes it's not bad and i hope you know everybody hopes that you know sports get freed from the, the eternal torment of inik and co but <laughs> listen right with the the whole investment thing it's not bad if it comes in <laughs> You know, I, mean, I, I don't know. I think it's twenty. The their companies will be have like a minority investment in the whole thing. But if they are going to be minority, this is just concerns, right? They are minorities. They really don't have as much voting power, as much power as you know um, the likes of um, the ownerships, the unique and leave you have, right? So some people say it's a smoke screen, it's like a distraction. We'll see about that. But I, I wouldn't mind. I mean, listen, it's not like I even have any say on this. I mean, it's. But I find it interesting that a lot of English fans are. In support of this and they want i'm like wait a minute i mean a month ago you guys were all against qatar right how come you want their money now you were like qatar's laws are this are this are this okay how come you want their money you know it's 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 surprising right it's really surprising (laughs) having said i i think it was um i would like i I hope we get a good general window because i think that's very important especially for the conditions that sports are still in i think it's very important that sports have a very good window so now they're progressing the FA Cup. So it's gonna be a next they're gonna be next round. It's gonna be against the next round is against Preston North End. So it's very important that sports, you know, get some investments in because you're gonna be liking them to play your second strings, right? Give your second paper a chance. You know, so you need to really get that investment in. But yeah, that's that's um all I can and see on today's episode. Um thanks for listening. Um, um hopefully Arsenal get knocked out today against Oxford. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for listening. Have a nice week and um Bye.